Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 28th, 2013, and today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in Chapter 8, Two Wives, on page 108, three lines from the bottom of the page, beginning with the problem with which you struggle. Today's readers are Judy B., Carol P., Penny E., and Fran. And the share code for yesterday's meeting, Sunday, January 27th, Steps 6 and 7 panel, that's share code 3767. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Morning, all. Uh, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Pay, uh, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. I will now call on Rebecca to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. It's Rebecca, a compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige 
divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 8, Two Wives, on page 108, at the very bottom of the page, three lines from the bottom, beginning with the sentence, The Problem With Which You Struggle. And I will ask Judy B. to begin reading, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Very, very grateful. The problem with which you struggle usually falls within one of four categories. One, your husband may be only a heavy drinker. The drinking may be constant or it may be heavy only on certain occasions. Perhaps he spends too much money for liquor. It may be slowing him up mentally and physically, but he does not see it. Sometimes he is a source of embarrassment to you and his friends. He is positive he can handle his liquor, that it does him no harm, that drinking is necessary in his business. He would probably be insulted if he were called an alcoholic. This world is full of people like him. Some will moderate or stop altogether, and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. So we are we are hearing uh, about the kinds of uh, drinkers that there are, and uh, this this group that they're talking about begins uh, begins uh, slowly. Um, they may be drinking constantly, or they may be uh, heavy only on certain occasions. And I just I just identified with that so much because in the beginning of my my eating career, I um, I really used holidays as my main um, source of uh, abusing food, and um, and I was a uh, bin not a binger a um, grazer. I didn't I didn't um, like large amounts of food at one time because it made me uncomfortable, but I would just like to graze on it you know, just a little bit at a time, and slowly and slowly the problem got worse. And um, and that's what they're telling us, that, that there are many people who are in this category and they may eventually stop altogether or they may moderate. But um, of those who keep on, 
a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. And I know that's what I did. I, I, uh, my, my, um, using food a little at a time became more of a problem and more of a problem until I, I thankfully was able to recognize that I was a genuine compulsive overeater and that I was causing problems not only to myself but to those around me, the people that I loved and the people that I cared about. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive compulsive overeater from South Jersey with a cold, so I sound like a frog. Um, So once again, we're in the chapter to the wives. So this is talking about the wives and and letting them know that when they're looking at their husbands, there's four different classifications. So they're going to be looking at this. And, And one of the things I find helpful for myself as a sponsor is you know, to, when we when we talk to a newcomer or a returning member, is look at you know talk to that individual, find out what's going on with them, talk about their history, because not everyone is a compulsive overeater, not everyone is a compulsive overeater who wants to stop. So if we can find out where they are in this in these four categories, what we're going to read after this is how the wife should approach a husband who is of Category 1, Category 2, or Category 3, or Category 4. And I find this very helpful for myself when I'm approaching someone um, who is coming into the rooms. So it says here, your husband may only be a heavy drinker. And I, I believe that not everyone who comes into OA is a compulsive overeater. So what is a heavy drinker? You know, if someone says here his drinking may be constant or may be heavy only on certain occasions. So people can come in and they might be carrying around, you know, some extra weight because, you know, in our lifestyle of fast food and and TV, they're just want to get the weight off or they just came off a really big holiday season and they put on some weight and they want to take it off or maybe they came through a very stressful time. Maybe they've gone through a divorce or they've been laid off and they've they put some weight on and they want to they want to stop now. And if they are the heavy drinker, they may not need OA. Because the reason we need OA is because we have a twofold disease. We have an allergy of the body that once we pick up the food, we cannot stop. Our body demands that we have more and more. But even more insidious is we have an obsession of the mind that even when we get that gumption, even when we get that willpower to put the food down, we have a mind that says, oh, come on. It's been 30 days. It's been 60 days. It's not as bad as you remember. So we have to go in and we have to look at it, qualify this person. If they truly are a heavy drinker, maybe a little bit of knowledge about nutrition. Maybe not hitting the fast food restaurants every day, but maybe every third day. Maybe learning to exercise or learning to moderate will work for them. So it says here, some will moderate or stop altogether and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number of them will be true alcoholics after a while. So if someone is not a true alcoholic, if someone is not a true compulsive overeater, you know, we will be friendly. You know, we will, we will extend the fellowship, but they may not need our program. And that's a hard thing for some of us. We want to go out there and we want to save the world. But this program is for true alcoholics. This program is for true compulsive overeaters. And for those of us that are recovered, it's important for us to talk to someone and find out. Are they a true alcoholic? Now, of course, they're only going to be able to diagnose that for themselves. But as we talk to them, we can tell them about the allergy of the body. We can tell them about the obsession of the mind. So they can make that decision themselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Gwen. Gwen, go ahead. Uh Hey, everybody. Um, My name is Gwen, and I'm from New York, 63 days, first time in my life. Thank you very much. A vision for you. Glad you're there. Um, Yeah, I I really uh, like this passage, and I appreciate um, uh, Kim's differentiating this. Um, I myself always thought that I could stop whenever I wanted from, you know, compulsive overeating. All I needed to do was diet and diet better and diet harder and whatever. And realistically speaking, diets never worked. Diets never worked. 
and they don't work. This program, I believe, can work for me. Um, I I just want to say that um, for for myself, vacations are are the times when I think I see myself really bottoming out. The times when everything is wonderful and there's 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 a palm trees and there's a breeze and there's happy faces and sunshine and am I happy? No. Why? Because I'm in the food and because I can't moderate. When it comes to sugar and white flour, I can't moderate. And that is the difference between me and someone else who can go away on vacation and put four or five pounds on. No, I put on 10 pounds. So um, this is a very clarifying thing. And again, um, I'm glad I'm glad to be on the line today for this for this conversation. Thank you. Once again, I do pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, it's Abby. Abby, good morning. Good morning. Um, this paragraph is particularly relevant to me as I just joined um, OA, and I am struggling with the thought, am I or am I not a compulsive overeater? And I go back and forth. And there are days where I feel like I am, and there are days that I feel like I am not. And this paragraph talks to me because the bottom line is that it's working. The program is working for me. And I'm just wondering if it's working and it's giving me serenity. Um, It's possible that I joined before I became compulsive. And it's possible that, you know, that that's a good thing. I didn't have that desperation, perhaps, and I didn't look it. um, So for today... I'm glad to be in the program, and I want to be here, and I want, I want the program in my life, and I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mrs. Lay, I, too, would like to comment on this. It says, some will moderate or stop altogether, and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. Again, we're in Chapter 2, Wives. Uh, it's giving some information to the loved ones of the alcoholics and describing the stages of alcoholism. This is a disease that is progressive. It's a disease that's chronic. It never goes away. It's progressive. It continues to get worse. It's ultimately fatal. Um, so some will moderate or, and stop or stop altogether and some will not. The big book discusses this actually if you turn back to page 34 it says if anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area let him try leaving liquor alone for one year if he is alcohol real alcoholic and very far advanced there is scant chance of success in the early days of our drinking we occasionally remain sober for a year or more becoming serious drinkers again later though you may be able to stop for a considerable period you may yet be a potential alcoholic We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. I mean, uh, the disease of alcoholism, as was earlier described, it's twofold. You have an allergy of the body. That's, um, you know, the symptom that we all have in common. The alcoholic can't start drinking without developing that phenomenon of craving and that phenomenon of craving is a manifestation of an allergy that differentiates us from other people i know when i took a first bite my my disease had the last say i took that first bite it intensified it never satisfied me um, I'd pick up a bite and I'd lose a few years you know <laughs> lose a decade um, you know it is it's twofold allergy of the body obsession of the mind it says of those who keep on a good number will become true alcoholics after a while it's a progression it is a progression and we don't know when we cross that individual you know in that invisible line i didn't know what i was up against i did not understand the depths to which this disease would take me i did not understand uh even though uh this disease reared its head as as a young child i did not know the depths and how how hot hell would become in the progression of this disease, nor how voracious 
and, uh, you know, fast this disease would take me under. Um, so anyway, it's, a, it's letting wives know so that they can identify in with the stages of alcoholism that their spouses may be experiencing. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Okay, well, let's move on to the next paragraph with Carol P., please. Good morning, Carol P. here, grateful compulsive of reader. Two, your husband is showing lack of control. I'm sorry, I can't read. I'm going to have to pass. Thank you. Okay. Penny E., could you please read this paragraph? Yes, good morning. Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater. Two, your husband is showing lack of control, for he is unable to stay on the water wagon even when he wants to. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits this is true, but is positive that he will do better. He has begun to try, with or without your cooperation, various means of moderating or staying dry. Maybe he is beginning to lose his friends. His business may suffer somewhat. He is worried at times and is becoming aware that he cannot drink like other people. He sometimes drinks in the morning and through the day also, to hold his nervousness nervousness in check. He is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree, he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately next time. We think this person is in danger. These are the earmarks of a real alcoholic. Perhaps he can still tend to business fairly well, He has by no means ruined everything. As we say among ourselves, he wants to stop. He wants to want to stop. And I'm going to pass this morning. Thank you, Penny. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Aaron, and I'm a real alcoholic compulsive overeater. Good to hear from you. Go ahead. Uh, uh, This paragraph uh, says it all for me. And, um, you know, I, I had heard other people uh, qualifying that they're real compulsive overeaters, and I don't know that I really got it until just now. Um, I had started saying a prayer in the mornings, uh, God, I'm a real alcoholic and addict and food junkie. I need your help today, and it's been helping. Um, I uh, came into program four years ago uh, with this knowledge that, I was killing myself, and um, I I was carrying uh, very uh, well over 200 pounds, almost 300 pounds on a 5-foot, 5-inch frame, and I was uh, suffering from, you know, I wasn't suffering from any uh, hard medical problems, but I was being told that it's not a question of if, it's a matter of time, when I'll have my first heart attack and that kind of stuff. And uh, I came in a program crawling in, wanting to change, because every day would be a new resolve. When I was in this disease at its worst, I was having six meals a day, a breakfast by myself and a breakfast in front of other people, a lunch by myself and a lunch in front of other people, and a dinner by myself and a dinner in front of other people, and binging at night. And every morning, I would be resolving to not do what I did the day before, And then all of a sudden finding myself doing it again. And, uh, that, and, and, uh, and I was, uh, when I came into this program, I was exactly as this paragraph describes, which is, uh, some of my friendships were failing, some of, uh, my, my works, some of my relationships at work were failing. I was just getting by, but I had not ruined everything. And I'm so grateful so grateful I came into this program four years ago. Um, now, doubling back, I can, I can, my disease can trick me into believing that I'm the first type. Uh, my disease can trick me into believing after a period of time that I can handle this. I suffer from a disease of forgetfulness and excitement, and I want to tell myself that I can handle this bit of this and this bit of that. And, uh, when I was nine months in program, I, I fell into that trap and tried it out. And believe me, 
it doesn't work. It didn't work for me, and it didn't work for countless other people who shared the same thing with me. And, uh, you know, I, try, I ran that little experiment in my life, and I know how it comes out. Uh, right now, I'm, um, I'm at uh, have about three weeks of abstinence, and uh, this is the clearest and cleanest I've been in a very long time. I've had really long stints of abstinence before that, but always having this thought that I can handle it. And now I am trying to change that paradigm shift by a real confession every morning that I am a real compulsive overeater. I have no way of, I'm never going to be cured. That's it. I'm never going to be cured, and I need to follow my food plan every day if I'm going to live. And that means I need to call my sponsors and do my work and call into these meetings just like every other compulsive overeater who's had success in this program, I'm not terminally different. Uh, with that, I pass, and I'm grateful for all of your service for listening and being available on the call. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on what was read this morning? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, everyone, again. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we're starting to get serious here. Starting to see some words jump out at me here. If even if he wants to, he's begun to try. He wants to stop. He's becoming aware he cannot drink like other people. He wants to want to stop. He's showing a lack of control. Uh oh, the disease is starting to get serious here. You know, I know there was a time for me. It was high school when the drinking was a lot of fun. I mean, the eating was a lot of fun. Going out with friends after basketball games and going to birthday parties and. You know, it was it, it was a social lubricant. It helped me make the good times good. Started to help me make the bad times not as bad. You know, but then I got to college. You know, and it started that boomerang that Bill talks about started to turn around. It started to hit me. I started to recognize I couldn't keep it just to the weekends. I was starting to have to binge during the week. It says here he, maybe he's beginning to lose his friends. Well, you know, food was a way to celebrate with friends. Now I'm starting to go to the cafeteria during times that most people don't eat so I can get the food and bring it into my dorm room so I can eat like I really want to eat and no one's going to bother me. You know, I'm starting to really have some of the consequences. I'm starting to have to call my parents for extra money because my clothes aren't fitting every couple of months because I'm starting to gain weight a little bit faster. I'm starting to be embarrassed by my weight, so I'm starting not to go out to as many parties with people, which is where I said I would celebrate with the food, and instead I would just stay home and eat my roommate's food. So I'm, at this point I'm saying, well, you know what? Before I could, I could control it a little bit better, but now I want to want to stop. But I think, you know what? Okay, well, I'm able to control it for a certain amount of time. I'm going to keep this just to the holiday season. That's it. I'll just keep it to the holiday season, and then I can... You know, get, get back in the gym and I'll work off that 20 pounds. So this is what the wife is seeing. The wife is seeing that, that, the, that the, the, the alcoholic is starting to let this seep into his everyday life. This is no longer a special occasion indulgence. This is no longer when, when a special occasion is happening. It's starting to seep into his everyday life. And she's starting to see, he's seeing the consequences. He admits this is true and it's positive he will do better. He has begun to try, with or without your cooperation, various means of moderating or staying dry. Because that's what I wanted. I didn't want to stop. Tell me how to eat three Oreos. Please, tell me how to eat three Oreos so that I can enjoy the Oreos and just not gain the weight. So the wife is seeing that this is starting to progress more. This is starting to debilitate him. And I love that last line. As we say among ourselves, he wants to want to stop. But at this point, the allergy of the body is saying, oh, no, no, no. When you ingest these foods, you must have more. And the obsession of the mind is starting to kick in that even when he does stop, come on, it's a special occasion. You've had a good day, you need to celebrate. You've had a bad day. You deserve a couple bites. So the tide is starting to turn. It's in Bill's story, the boomerang is beginning to come back and hasn't quite cut into ribbons. But we'll see if this keeps progressing. He right now, it says here, these are the earmarks of a real alcoholic. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? 
star one to unmute. Hey, this is Gwen. Gwen, go ahead. Thank you very much for another opportunity. Um, I just want to say one more thing about myself um, in relation to being a compulsive overeater um, and I think crazy at times. Um, I, I'm going on this vacation, and uh, it's in Costa Rica, and you'd think that there were, you think that they didn't have food in Costa Rica because I had to call the place and I had to find out how many miles away is the um, grocery store, where are the restaurants, you know, how am I going to get there and all of that stuff. And I think that that is, you know, I think that like an alcoholic needs to know where the bar is. I need to know where the food is. But... This time, I think it's to help me be more strategic in terms of my planning and know that, you know, know how I'm going to take care of myself, and at least that's what I'm praying for. So thank you very much, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, a lot of important teachings going on here in this paragraph as they are, um, as the big book is revealing the progression of the disease to the wife of the alcoholic. It says, your husband is showing lack of control, for he is unable to stay on the water wagon even when he wants to. Okay, so here we go. Not only do we have an allergy of the body, meaning that there is a phenomenon of craving that occurs upon the ingestion of the substance, but we're also seeing the introduction here uh, heavily of the obsession of the mind, meaning that even though he wants to stop, um, he cannot stop. That's the obsession of the mind. That is the true insanity, that despite the necessity and despite the wish that this husband might have to stop, he cannot, left his, his own resources because he's powerless. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, leave it alone. But we don't have that power. Lack of power is our dilemma. We have no ability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. So here it goes. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits this is true. He admits it get, he gets out of hand. But he's positive that he will do better, right? A little willpower, some determination, some motivation, a little self-knowledge. Okay, now I know about myself. Now I can't. Now I know I can't drink. Now I know. Now I know. Because I crashed the car again. I was late to work again. I got called into the boss's office again. I got another divorce threat again. I can't get out of bed. Again, the medical consequences are increasing. Again, okay, I'm going to do better. He has begun to try, with or without your cooperation, various means of moderating or staying dry. But you know what? Controlled drinking doesn't work for alcoholics. Neither does sobriety. <laughs> because that's alcoholism. Alcoholics can't drink and they can't not drink. So while they can drink sensibly on some occasions, they can't do that consistently. And while they can be sober from drinking for a time, they can't do that persistently and comfortably. And it's the same reality for a real compulsive overeater. Controlled binging, controlled uh, you know, eating of my substances didn't work for me because I'm a real compulsive overeater, but neither did being nearly abstinent. That's called compulsive overeating. Compulsive overeaters can't binge and they can't not binge. Because while we can moderate, we can't do it comfortably. We have a rough time living. <laughs> That's our real problem. It says here um, at the bottom, he is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree and he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately next time, right? 
Um, it's the same thing. The doctor's opinion goes into that. You know, we are restless and we are irritable and we are discontent until we seek that sense of ease and comfort in a cellophane bag in a bakery box. And then we binge our, you know, our, our, our uh, brains out until our eyeballs hurt. We, we cry ourselves to sleep vowing and, and making resolutions that we're never going to do this again until come a day when, again, we can't stand being sober. We can't stand that feeling of being abstinent. Um, it, you know, and it tells you he wants to stop. But this is not about wanting to stop. Because according to the big book, it's not going to be our inner strength. It's not going to be our willpower. It's not going to be our determination or any other human creation that is going to allow us to stop. We can throw these things at the obsession of the mind all day and all night. It is not enough. We can't restore our sanity on our own. We need the help of a higher power. We need the help of a higher power. Lack of power is our dilemma. And, of course, at the bottom here in italics, it says he wants to want to stop. Again, the utter inability of us to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I know I had the wish. I had obesity. I had medical consequences. I had high cholesterol. I had high blood pressure. I had shortness of breath. I was a young person. I was in my early 20s. I was experiencing mental torture, emotional turmoil. I was isolating. I had deep depression. I had suicidal thinking. I had suffering. But my pain had no memory. <laughs> Some Somehow, someday, a week later or a day later, I would seek the ease and comfort from that cellophane bag. <laughs> Nothing I could put together was enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. It's your turn, Janice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So this chapter is to the wives. This chapter is to the wives. So what is this wife thinking? A watcher has a very difficult job. And this woman is watching her husband. Just like our family members, just like our loved ones, just like our friends watched us. But what's happening here in this paragraph, we're being told, he's starting to have a conversation with her about it. He's starting to talk about it. He admits it's true that he gets out of hand. He admits it's true that sometimes he overeats. He admits it's true that sometimes he walks back into the kitchen after she's cleaned things up and is looking for something to eat once again. You know, they're starting to have these conversations. And he has begun to try, with or without her cooperation, sometimes with her help. Sometimes he's asking her you know, to cooperate with him to see if he can't try to do it differently. And, you know, this is one of the most painful places for the one who's watching this happen. Because the person thinks they can regain some control. They think that maybe this time it will be different. And and the suffering is starting. The suffering is starting. The consequences are starting Maybe he's beginning to lose some of his friends, maybe business. Maybe he's not doing so good on the job. You know, maybe maybe he's starting now in the morning, you know, to be eating more, to be getting himself ready for the day ahead. You know, I can relate. I can relate because I was in that place at one time. I was in that place. It's a horrible place. It's a horrible place because you think it's going to be different. You believe deep down in your heart that it can be different for you. You know, you're remorseful after a binge. You're remorseful. You're feeling guilty about it. And you think, well, remorse and guilt, that's worked before to make me stop certain behaviors. You know, I, I maybe can do that with this. But when I got over that binge, I'd start to think about, well, Next time, maybe I need to just not eat it at home. Maybe I need to eat it only in a restaurant. You know, maybe maybe I won't buy it at the grocery store and bring it home. Maybe I'll only order that out, and that'll help. You know, starting to think about those manipulations 
and how I might moderate. You know, but the wife is watching this happen. Watching this happen, trying to be helpful, not knowing what the full problem is. They're telling her here. The education is here about what the progression is really like because it is a progressive disease. And for a real compulsive overeater, the progression will ultimately be fatal. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Sherry, Sherry, go ahead. Yes, I'd just like to say that I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm so grateful that this meeting is here. And, um, you know, I I remember I can tell plenty of stories about myself, about walking from place to place, um, you know, from deli to deli, from coffee shop to coffee shop, buying something in each one. And thinking as I walked in that, you know, they didn't know that I'd been picking up food all along the way. Um, You know, I remember that. I remember it so, so clearly. I remember walking into a place and buying so many, so many things, so many things, and taking them and eating what I wanted and throwing out the rest. And then I would go to another place and buy something else and throw out the stuff there afterwards. Um, and just, I remember this going on and on. It was terrible, 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 terrible. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for this day today. I'm abstinent. I've been abstinent since March of last year. Um, oh, my God. Oh, I'm just so, so grateful. And I just want to remember that I'm a compulsive overeater. That's never going to change. I'm in recovery. And that's wonderful, but I always want to be so, so careful. I've got to always work on my spiritual connection. I've got to be aware. I've got to always remind myself. And I, and I want to I wanna be a good person, you know, and I want to just talk about being a good person. I want to take actions, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to help others. I have a wonderful sponsor. I have a wonderful sponsee. You know, they help to keep me on the right track you know, between the two of them. And I just want to remember what's important in this world. And and since I've had my abstinence, I have clarity, I have an understanding, and a way to see the world that's totally different, completely, totally different. And uh, I'm just grateful. I'm so grateful that this meeting is here, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Fran. Thank you. Fran, star one to unmute. Okay, perhaps Fran is unavailable. Judy B., might you be able to read this paragraph? Yes. Three, this husband has gone much further than husband number two. Though once like number two, he became worse. His friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck, and he cannot hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in, and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. He admits he cannot drink like other people, but he does not see why. He clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. His case presents additional questions which we shall try to answer for you. You may be quite hopeful of a situation like this. Again, we're seeing the progression of the disease, and um, and we know that there is a solution here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. Anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone, again. Oh, man, it's getting serious now. It's getting serious. It says here he admits, he admits he cannot drink with other people, but he doesn't see why. He clings to the notion he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. 
And now the wife is seeing her husband going, I want to stop. I don't get it. I'm really, I'm going out to the bar. I'm just going to have a beer with the boys. I'm just going to have a beer. That's all I want to do. And I don't want to get drunk. I don't want to get drunk. I just want to have a drink. You know, and I know that was me when I came into LA. I didn't want to binge anymore. I just wanted to be able to have a couple. I just want to have it be able to have a couple. He admits he cannot drink with other people, but he does not see why. He doesn't understand he has this twofold disease. And unfortunately, for many years in OA, I didn't realize I had this disease because in most OA meetings, we don't study the doctor's opinion. You know, we're told get a sponsor, go to meetings, you know, read our literature, and you can stay abstinent. Because I thought abstinence was the goal. Abstinence is the goal. And what we learned in that doctor's opinion, that abstinence is the beginning. Abstinence is what clears our mind so we can do the steps, so we can get to that goal of being recovered, to have that psychic change sufficient to bring about recovery. So I did not see why, because even in the rooms, no one explained to me what I was up against. And the next one, he claimed from the notion he will yet find a way to do so. That was it. I had to find that perfect food plan. That was it. That was what's going to keep me safe. If I find that perfect food plan, or if I find that perfect sponsor, or if I find that perfect meeting, I'll be okay. And I'll be able to eat like other people. I'll be able to take a day off on my birthday. I'll be able to take a day off when my vacation happens. But that's that's the incidence of this disease that tells us that we can do this. We can overcome this. And he's starting to get to the point now where he's realizing he's beyond human aid. And the, and the wife, who might even know the man has the disease, can't tell him. You cannot have one drink. You cannot have one drink. No, no, no. The problem is I get drunk. It says here he may come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but he cannot. And why can't he stop? Because he has an allergy of the body. He has an allergy of the body that once he ingests those foods, he cannot stop. And even greater, he's got the obsession of the mind that dooms him to go back to the food. And that combination is essential. I have, I have allergies. I'm allergic to penicillin. I had a bad reaction. I was told not to have penicillin again. I don't go to a room and talk about not having penicillin. I don't have to go to Penicillin Anonymous. What has doomed me to have this disease is I have that obsession of the mind. And the only thing, the only thing that's going to help me with that obsession of the mind is to walk through these steps and then to have that spiritual awakening so that I am united with God. And as desperate as this is, I love this last line, you can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. Because the wife is being told, you're not going to be able to convince your husband. You can give him all the information in the world. But the fact is, only the food is going to convince us that we're compulsive readers. Only the drink is going to convince that husband that he's an alcoholic. And he's getting to that point where the food is starting to do his job. The drink is starting to do his job. And because of that, the wife can begin to feel hopeful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on the text of this paragraph, please? Yeah, this is Randy. Randy, go ahead, and then Monica. Okay, thanks. I struggled with the idea that I was truly a compulsive overeater. No matter how many times I would overeat, uh, something from a cellophane bag or a bakery box. I would vomit. I would be so sick and have such intense migraine. Um, sometimes I would be driving and I'd have to open the door and throw up as, as, as I was driving. And, you know, still, you know, continuing to do it and continuing to do it, um, thinking, well, it won't happen this time, it won't happen this time. And once I ended up going to the emergency room in an ambulance because I was so sick and I couldn't get up and they thought there was something wrong with my brain. And I was so embarrassed because I knew what it was, but I was so embarrassed that I would not tell anyone, hey, listen, it's it's sugar, it's chocolate, you know. And uh, I had an MRI and it's on my brain and, you know, it was just horrible, but it still didn't stop me. It just didn't stop me. And um, 
you know, I love these meetings. This, these meetings are really helping me. Um, and I have several days uh, clean or uh, abstinent now, and um, I'm really starting to see it more and more. And uh, thank you. I pass. Thank you. Monica, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So yes, here we are in the chapter to wives, and uh, it's um, being, the wives are being given a lot of information here, and uh, we are reading about the different categories here of alcoholics and the progression of this disease. And uh, you, you think it can't get any worse, and here we are. We're on number three, and uh, it's getting worse for this man. But the biggest part here is his, he's gotten to the point now, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter what. No matter how much he desires it, he just can't seem to leave it alone. And on page 24, the first paragraph in the big book here, it says, you know, it gives, tells us a little bit about why. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, not clearly seen, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. And they talk about no memory of a week or a month ago. Hey, when I was into this stuff, I didn't even have a memory of the pain and the agony and the frustration and the despair and the depression of the binge of the night before. And I had, you know, I wanted to stop compulsive overeating. I had all kinds of knowledge about it. But that wasn't enough. But it gives here, they, they go on and they, they're, they're saying to the wife, but don't give up hope here. You know, this, this is a good spot for him to be. He's going to be more receptive here. Um, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on the text of this paragraph? This is Robin. Robin, your turn. Morning, Leah. Morning, Vision for you. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I came into this thinking that it was just all about food for me. And I, I see myself a lot in this paragraph. Uh, his friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck. I mean, I found myself in such a place of isolation. I took everything so personally that people said to me, if somebody looked at me crosswise, I'd think that they hate. I was just so filled with shame. So I assumed that if somebody did or said something, maybe they were restless, irritable, and discontent. I don't know. But I took it all personally. I thought that everything that everybody did was because of something that I had done. So, you know, I was shutting off my friends right and left and isolating more and more. His home is a near wreck. I had no no time to do anything because I was um, in my cups. I was on the, I was on my bed watching TV with a bag of Lay's potato chips. He cannot hold a position. I took everything that happened in the work world as a personal um, slander. Also, I couldn't handle myself in the business world because I was so filled with shame. Um, maybe the doctor's been called in, and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. For me, that translates to therapy. That translates translates to self-help group and weight watch, you know, uh, weight groups, and so the progression for me was that um, I had all of these personal problems that were happening that I didn't always see were connected to the food. I knew I had this problem with living, and I knew my big problem was the food, but I really didn't see that there was a connection between the two things. Um, and admitting that I couldn't drink like other people, but I couldn't see why. I couldn't see why not. I mean, I wanted to be able to uh, eat the way my fellows did, the way my family did. And for me, what happened was that I um, started to to understand that it was all connected, that I was just one big hot mess. 
and I needed the help that that I could find in a program such as the one that we're talking about right now. But, you know, when I think about my husband and my family sitting back and watching all this stuff unfold, um, I became more and more dependent on my family instead of more... Um, more independent and more able to help them help them so the progression of the disease for me was that even though my my food was totally out of control my emotional life was in the pits and it was necessary for me finally to see that it was all interconnected and that I needed help with every little bit of it it was a spider's web i didn't know how to un i didn't know how to unravel it and i needed help from you from this program to figure out what was the first step, what was the first thing that needed to be pulled out to be taken care of. And that, of course, was step one. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. My name is Leah. I'm a compulsive overeater. It says here he admits he cannot drink like other people but does not see why. I invite you to take a look at page 22. Um you know, it says, why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him, this is halfway through the page on 22, if hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it that he takes that one drink? Why? That's the big question. Why? Uh, It says, you know, we know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens both in the bodily and mental sense. Here's our twofold disease, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in the body. So, you know, it says here in this paragraph that we were studying on 110, it says he may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop but cannot. Here is the introduction of a greater extent to the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind, despite the necessity. He's got the necessity. His friends are slipping away. His wife is getting concerned. His home is near a near wreck. Divorce is, you know, on the approach. He can't hold a position. He has the necessity. He has the wish. He cannot stop. That's the obsession of the mind. That is the obsession of the mind. I had that experience. I'm not stupid. I'm bright. I had a good memory. See, if you burn your hand on a hot stove, chances are you're always going to remember that. Chances are you're not going to put your hand on a hot stove to see if it will burn your flesh again. Because you remember the pain and the suffering. But alcoholics and compulsive overeaters, we get burned over and over and over and over and over and over again by our behavior. But for some strange reason, left to our own devices and our own resources, we cannot remember what compulsive overeating does to us. We only think about what it's going to do for us. That's what it means to be a real compulsive overeater. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. A lot going on in these paragraphs. Anyone else with a quick comment before we close up today? I'll take that as a no. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Fran, might you be available to read from page 164? Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision Few. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others 
this is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.